You've probably said that before too. Man, that is the worst. And it's probably not. Maybe it's kind of bad. Maybe it's, I don't know. We feel the need though, a lot of times, whether it's the worst or almost the worst or kind of, the, we feel the need to, to complain a lot of the time anyway. Things don't quite go our way. I don't know. Complaining is just one of the ways that we use our words in a, in a negative way. And uh, negative words really have an impact on our attitude and our influence and on the people around us. Uh, last week we started talking about the power of words. And, uh, and I hope that you've been praying that prayer that I challenged you to pray. And if you haven't, you can jump in and, and start any time. Go ahead and put it up there on the big screen, the jumbotron. There it is uh, from, from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I hope that that's uh, making a difference. Uh, maybe you've seen some differences that that's making in your, in your uh, uh, conversation. Maybe uh, just keep your eye out as you pray that prayer. Look and see where, uh, where that, and I'd love to hear from you, maybe some stories of how that, uh, how that has, has changed or transformed, beginning to change uh, your conversation or the, the, the uh, environment around you. Last week, I told you that the average person uses over 16,000 words each day, or enough to fill uh, a 60-page book, 60, 60, 60-page book every every day. Researchers say that uh, that we speak approximately one-fifth of our lives. So so let's say that uh, you live to be 100. That means for 20 years out of that 100 years, you would have been speaking kind of a lot. Some of you would argue with that because you're introverts. Some of you make up for those people, and uh, that's okay. The average uh, one-fifth of our lives uh, are words, and that's just verbal words. That doesn't, that doesn't include things like texting or uh, posting or uh, blogging or ranting, I, I, whatever. Uh, we use a lot of words, and, and sometimes, sometimes that's not always a good thing, right? Uh, our, our words can be used for, for, for good things or not so good things. Our, our words can be, can, can be uh, used to uh, build people up, to, uh, to, to bring beauty into this world. Uh, words can be a great thing. Words can also be very negative, harmful things that can have damaging effects. Uh, Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. It, it's a pretty important thing. We don't necessarily think of it as as all that important. Maybe it's just you know what we do, what we what we say is just kind of part of life, and we just but but uh, but but what we say matters because words have power. And I want to say right as 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 we get going here today, I want to say this is not just something that's simple and easy to do. It's uh, it's it's hard. I am under no illusions that I can give a little talk up here, and uh, you can listen a little bit, and then we just go out of here, and everybody's great, and all of our conversation is wonderful, and uh, it's all just fixed and good. James 3, uh, verses 7 and 8, it says, All kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Yikes. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's not just hard. It's, it's impossible. There is not a way that you on your own, no human being can tame the tongue. The only way to tame your tongue is to allow God to change and transform how you use your tongue. That's, that's really kind of the, the, the point of, of all of us. That's, 
kind of the point of why we're here today, why you come here week in and week out, uh, to, to let God continue to form you, right? To, to form his image in your life, to shape uh, how you live, uh, what, you, what you do, what you say, your attitudes, your intentions, all of those things. We're here to be formed uh, into the character of God, right? And, and so, so I think sometimes we, we, we let God have control over certain things in our lives, but other things we kind of hold back from him. Or we just think, well, it's not really all that changeable. I, I can't really, well, it's just the way I am. Well, that may be, that might be just the way you are, but it's not the way God wants you to be, and he wants to change you. And that is especially true in the area of our words. Uh, this, this is, uh, this, the area of our words has to come under the authority of God. We can't just say, well, it's not no big deal. If words have power, uh, what we say matters. And as God changes your heart, as you submit to him and he changes your heart, your words will follow suit. So with, with all that being said, I, I want us to come back to this, this whole idea of, uh, of complaining. I, I'm, I'm convinced that there is always something to complain about. Right? I mean, there is always something that we could complain about. Life is not perfect. There are things that we wish were different, and we literally could complain nonstop, and some people do. You know those people. Maybe you are those people. I I don't know. Uh, But most of the time, when we complain, I mean, we're right. I mean, the coffee is cold, right? Or, or the weather does stink, or uh, my, my team should have won, or, or those people can't drive, right? I mean, we're, we're right about it. Uh, you don't have enough money. Uh, even, even, you know, uh, issues in this world, terrorism is frightening. Uh, there are problems with the government. Uh, our, our presidential nominees probably could Change some things. Uh, your, your parents don't understand. Uh, it is awful to be sick. We do get a raw deal at work. Some, it, it, it's not like there aren't legitimate things to complain about. Uh, as I think about it and look at uh, Scripture and look at what it says about complaining, the huge majority of the times that the words complaining or grumbling are used in Scripture are in the Old Testament in the books of Exodus and Numbers. If you have walked through that, like our Sunday school class has been doing, uh, you know that that's all about the, uh, the, the people of Israel as they're, uh, they're taken out of Egypt and uh, rescued from Egypt. God is leading them to the promised land, and yet they complained. Uh, they were slaves in Egypt. They were toiling in the heat. They were making bricks and building things. They were beaten. They were mistreated. Finally, God sent Moses, and, uh, and there were a bunch of supernatural plagues and things. And finally, uh, finally, uh, they, they were led out of, uh, of Egypt, and they took off, and everything was great until they got to the Red Sea, right? And they, they were stuck between uh, the Red Sea on one side and the enemy army coming after them on the other side. And, uh, and it says in, uh, in Exodus uh, that that the people started complaining. They saw the sea and they saw the people and they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? So it's just dripping with sarcasm and complaining and, uh, and, and groaning and moaning and all those kinds of things. Uh, of course, though, if you know the story, God came through for them, miraculously parted the sea. They crossed over on dry ground. The Egyptians followed them. The water came in, and they, uh, the Egyptians died in the waves. Pretty crazy stuff. You'd think they'd be on cloud nine then, and they'd be uh, dancing and singing God's praises because he'd rescued them literally a few days later. 
they started complaining again. It, it was hot in the desert. Uh, that water was scarce. They finally found water, but it wasn't fit to drink. And so they, uh, it says in Exodus 15 that they grumbled against Moses because there was no water. God came through again, supernaturally uh, made the water drinkable. Uh, then a little while later, they complained about not having much to eat, didn't have any bread to eat. God literally rained down bread from heaven every morning. They came out of their tents in the morning. Bread, manna from, from heaven was uh, scattered across the ground and they could collect it. But they complained again because they didn't have any meat. And so God supernaturally sent a quail to them and they could come and, and, and catch these birds and literally had meat to eat. Just amazing. But then as they continued to travel, water was a problem again and, and more complaining, not necessarily thinking back to the fact that God had solved this problem for them before and he probably could again. Uh, later they, they got to the promised land, but there were people to fight and, and, and enemies to, uh, to conquer and, and it was going to be hard. So they complained again and again and again and they grumbled and they complain. Psalm 106 is a, is a psalm that kind of one of those historic kind of psalms that, that kind of recounts God's work through, uh, uh, through the Old Testament and tells some of the story. In Psalm 106, 25, it kind of summarizes the whole thing. It says, they grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. This, this was the characteristic of these people of Israel uh, for 40 plus years in the desert, going from Egypt to the promised land. They grumbled in their tents and they did not obey the Lord. Now, first off, before we go any further with that story, you need to realize, uh, I want you to grasp the fact, this is, uh, this is truth, you would have complained too. It's not that we look at them and go, oh, how could they be so unholy? Uh, there's, I mean, <laughs> uh, they had legitimate things to complain about. Uh, there was no drinkable water in the desert. Probably would have been something that you would have... I would complain if I was in the desert and there was no drinkable water. There's no food. When is the last time that you missed a meal, right? Uh, don't answer that. Uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was difficult and it was stressful and it was hot and it smelled bad and, and they were thirsty and they were hungry. I mean, some of you might be starting to grumble just thinking about putting yourself in a position like it. There were legitimate things to complain about. So I guess I asked the question, I could, well, what's the big deal? Why, why is it a big deal? That, that Why shouldn't we complain? I mean, there are things in this in our lives, there were things in the Israelites that, that, that they were they were complaining, but but it was legitimate. There, there were bad things happening. So why shouldn't we use some of our sixteen thousand words a day? Why shouldn't we use some of them to complain a little bit? There, there are several several ideas, several things that we can uh, that how ways that we can answer the answers to that question. I think uh, some people today would would push the power of positive thinking uh, as an answer to that. That 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 uh, there's there's we just have to have a positive attitude, and if we have a positive attitude, that's best. And uh, seeing the glass half full is is healthier for. There's studies to prove that that positive people are healthier people, and 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 all of those things, and and uh, it's all much better than being negative. And I I think many of those things are true. Uh, I, I think maybe that's maybe a peripheral reason why we need to be positive and not negative and not complain, but, but, but I think it goes further than that. I think we need to keep pushing on that. And another reason not to grumble and complain are the consequences. Uh, some of you growing up may have heard a phrase like this, quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about, Right? Quit complaining, uh, you know, it's, it's not that bad, uh, I don't know, the consequences were what made you, you know, get over it, right? I'm not gonna complain so much because I don't wanna 
have something to cry about. Of course, the consequences were huge for the Israelites. I mean, God didn't take kindly to their grumbling and complaining. They were punished for it. People died because of their grumbling and complaining. So it's a great motivator not to complain. Why should we not complain? Well, God doesn't like it, and there's consequences for it. It doesn't lead to anything good. So uh, so we need to... Uh, that could be another reason, but I think we need to push even further. Another reason could simply be that complaining people are... I don't know, it's just kind of depressing. They're, they're downers to be around. They're, 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 no one wants to be around somebody who's always whining and complaining. You, you don't want to be that person who's, who's always ripping on this or that, always cynical and negative and sarcastic. And uh, I mean, that's a good reason not to complain, that, that uh, people don't usually want to be around complainers. So if I'm a complainer, no one will want to be around me, so I'll stop complaining. Again, there's still more I think we need to, we need to, to, to go a little further. Another reason uh, not to complain is that complainers usually aren't doing anything to solve the problem, right? Uh, we, we need to, we, we, we need to complain, we, we need to make, be about making things better, not just complaining about those things. And, and usually complainers aren't fixing the situation. We need to be part of the solution, uh, and not just whining about what's going on. There are many today who would rather be a, a, a victim and complain instead of jumping in and doing something constructive to change the situation. And, and, and that's true and that's, that's good and val- a good valid reason to stop complaining. And, and maybe we're, we're getting closer, but I, but I think there's still more to it. I, I, here's the thing about grumbling and complaining. I think it comes down to this. At the core, at the issue, why is it a big deal to complain? Um, at its core, uh, the issue rests in what my complaining says about my faith and trust in God. In other words, when I'm complaining, I'm ignoring what God can do. When I'm complaining, I'm ignoring what God can do. God is at work in the world. He loves you, he's on your side, and his perspective is much bigger than your perspective. He has a plan, and you can trust him. So when it seems like life is falling apart and everything is going wrong and you have every right to complain, you can choose to either focus on all of the problems or you can rest in the character and in the promises of God. When I'm complaining, I'm ignoring what God can do. That was completely the issue with the Israelites in the, in the desert. They were stuck between, between a sea and an enemy army. Well, they had a choice. They could either complain about that or they could trust in what God could do. And they saw what God could do. Blew their mind. Uh, Part of the sea never, never, in their wildest dreams had thought about that. But God had a plan much bigger than what they could see. Oh, there's bitter water. What are we going to do? We're in the desert and we're thirsty and we've got all these people and, and our kids are, are, uh, uh, need, to, need to drink. And all I can complain or I can trust in what God can. Oh, you mean God, the God that just parted the sea three days ago? Well, I bet he might have a plan for this. We could, uh, we could see what he's going to do. I could complain or I could trust in what God can. No bread, complain or trust in what God can do, manna. Uh, complain uh, with, with no meat, I could complain or I could trust in what God could do over and over again. We see that time and time again through the story of the Israelites. I want you to remember, probably you already know this, God's vision is much better than yours. God has a complete perspective. God is outside of time. God sees all of time in an instant. 
Before there was time, God was. After the time that we live is over, God still is and will be. We can't quite grasp that with our minds, but he has, it's almost like this, you can't see the forest for the trees kind of, uh, uh, that's starting to get at it. We're in our little world, in our little bubble, in our little box, walking through. God has a plan for the world, a global, universal plan. You're part of that plan. He loves you. He knows you by name. He trusts you. Uh, he, he's, he's entrusting to you uh, part of his plan. But you got to trust that your part in this plan fits into the whole master plan. And he can see that even if you can't. God's vision is better than yours. Trust in the one who sees the whole picture. When we complain, we're not considering what God can do. Now that that kind of gets us into the whole uh, the the big s- uh, spiritual conversation of complaining, but there are a lot of things that we complain about that I don't know we wouldn't necessarily put in the, the spiritual realm. We're just kind of negative sometimes, right? We just grumble. Um, I don't know that whether it, uh, it it's politically correct. It's probably not pastorally correct, but there's probably some times when we should just get over it, right? Now I've never sat in a counseling session with anyone and uh, used the phrase, get over it. I have thought about it, but I have not, but have not ever used that uh, phrase because uh, pastoral. But but there are things when we should just, you know what, life is life, and yeah, uh, but it's not really this big spiritual. We just need to move through it and, and get over it. I, I hate to... Well, I'll tell on myself anyway. A couple weeks ago, we're on vacation. We're at the beach, Hilton Head, South Carolina. Amazing, sun shining every day. Uh, beautiful, right on the edge of the ocean and the dolphins and the ships and the... Uh, just awesome. Good, good, good stuff. First couple of days, we're out there in the ocean and, and it's just calm and it's... And I'm on the little, you know, the little board thing. You know how that goes. You know how that goes. And then you're waiting for the big waves to come, you know, and you kind of, and you try to ride them in and you pretend you're a big surfer when you're really not. Well, I do. I don't know if you do or not. And, and the first couple of days, the sea was so calm. I, I, <laughs> I actually said, oh man, I wish we had some more waves. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of boring just kind of laying out here in the, in the water. <laughs> really, Pastor Pete? <laughs> really? Really? I mean, uh, you got all this around you. You got the, I mean, the sun rising and the, 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 and the tides and the waves and the ocean and the pelicans and the I mean, dolphins and, and, and you wishing that it's a little wavier. Really? We're going to complain about that, Pastor Pete? Come on. Uh, the point wasn't really anything about God's grandiose plan for my life. It was that I needed to get over it and enjoy where I was and, and, uh, and, and, and just enjoy life right as I, as I was living it. But whether it's those those dumb little things or or that that seem to or the things that seem to be real legitimate needs in our lives, it still comes back to submission to God, right? Uh, complaining comes from selfishness. I want what I want. I want things my way. Everything should be the way that I want it to be. The traffic's too slow. I, don't they know that I'm in a hurry? No, they really don't. And you probably should have left earlier. Uh, don't don't they know that I uh, but I think it should be No, it's 
It just comes from selfishness. Selfishness is, is revealing sin. Sin really is rooted in selfishness, right? Uh, uh, the, the center of, uh, it used to tell me in, in Sunday school, the, 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 you know, the, the middle letter in the word sin is I. Everything revolves around me and what I want and, and I, me, 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 I, I, I. And so if our words are becoming selfish, if we're recognizing that all we're doing is complaining all the time, then that's a real good indication that my heart is still pretty selfish. We looked at Matthew chapter 12 last week where Jesus says, uh, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So complaining is actually revealing a selfish, sinful heart that only wants its own way. And that's true on the grandiose scale of why are these awful things happening in my life to I wish it was a little wavier (laughs) and everything in between. It's focused on me and what I want instead of on resting in God. And, and I, it's, it's really actually natural to, to complain all the time because we're born with that selfish, sinful heart. But if we're allowing God to transform our hearts, then he roots out that sin and selfishness and your complaining will diminish. The Apostle Paul uh, said in Philippians that, that not complaining is so rare that it will actually make you stick out as a wonderful bright spot in the world. Philippians 2, 14 and 15, it says, Do everything without complaining or arguing, then you will be pure and without blame. You will be children of God without fault among sinful and evil people. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. The Greek word used there and several other places in uh, in the New Testament uh, used for complaining or grumbling uh, is the word to sigh. You've done that. That's kind of the nonverbal complaint, right? I find myself doing that at times. Um, telling on myself again. Actually, uh, I get it honest because my dad would, uh, would, would do that a lot, usually in conjunction with what his second-born son was always doing. And, uh, but he, he would do, he'd kind of make a joke out of it, and he would go, sigh. I always thought that was a little redundant of him. He was commentating on his... Anyway, but, but I find myself doing that maybe in honor of him, uh, I, uh, memory of him, I do that as well. <sighs> sigh. And, and, you know, and, but, I mean, true sighing, though, is just a nonverbal complaint. It, and, it, and it comes... That's, that's what, what uh, the, this word means, to sigh, uh, to complain. Um, and it, it comes naturally. It's, it's w- what we're born with. We're born with this selfishness. We want things our way. We want to do things our way. And, and so it comes naturally. Uh, selfish people complain. But when Jesus gets a hold of our lives and starts changing us from being self-centered to being Christ-centered, then there's a noticeable change. And Paul says that it's kind of like seeing a shining star in the night sky. You'll stick out because it's so different from everybody around us. It's a wonderful, noticeable difference that will attract people to you and to your God. Now, I, I, don't, want, I don't want you to uh, get the notion that I'm saying that we need to just resign ourselves to whatever comes in life. Uh, that we should never speak up against injustice or grieve losses or seek to change things in our lives. It's not just that uh, the, the Bible doesn't indicate that we just need to be pushovers and just say, well, this is happening, oh well. 
it's okay, no big deal. No, some things are a very big deal, but it's the attitude that we use when we do speak up in those circumstances that makes all the difference. The people of Israel uh, weren't simply speaking their concerns, they were grumbling and complaining and disobeying God. We have to be submitted to God even when we cry out to him. The Psalms are full of this. Uh, David primarily, as he's writing some of his Psalms, uh, would call out to God and, and he would call out for God to change things. And, and we could probably even look through there and, and, and say, well, that kind of looks like a complaint and that looks like a complaint. It looks like he's complaining here. Uh, and, and, and yet, uh, those Psalms, as he would, he would lay out his, his requests and his burdens and, oh my goodness, what in the world's going on? They would always come to the end of those psalms with an attitude of worship and submission. But God, you are God, and I'm going to follow you. Jesus, in the garden on the night of his, before his crucifixion, cried out to God to take it all away. But we don't call that... Compl- Jesus is complaining about uh, having to go to the cross. No, he was still submitted to God's plan in the midst of that, no, no, no matter what it might mean. Not my will, but yours be done. God, it would be great if this changed. <laughs> and he was honest with it, brutally honest with that. Uh, Father, I don't want to do this. But I'm still submitted to your plan, not my will, but yours. In Philippians, just a couple of chapters uh, later in, in chapter 4, uh, Paul uh, says that we can, that we're supposed to, when, when, we're, when we're coming up against something, uh, that, that, uh, that we can call out to God with our prayers and petitions, that we can make requests to God. No matter what the answer is, he says, as we do that and we submit ourselves to God, God's peace settles down upon us. And it's really... It's really describing something that I think is the antidote to complaining, and that is contentment, being content. Again, in Philippians 4, a few verses later, Paul says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, even when the traffic is bad, even when the coffee is cold, even when this person or that person or this thing at work or that thing, I'm still content, peace, not complaining. Certainly, I can step up and step in and, and try to get things to change, but I'm still in the attitude, the mindset of God is in charge and I am not, and I'm content in that. How, how do we get there? How do we get to that point? You know, it starts with a change of heart, uh, submitting ourselves, submitting our lives to God, uh, saying, God, I, I'm yours. I'm, it's not just about me. It's about you. And then we trust him. When I'm complaining... I'm ignoring what God can do, remember? When I'm complaining, I'm ignoring what God can... When I'm content, I'm trusting what God can do. And I think, I think one great practical thing that we can do to develop that contentment over complaining is, is just to practice gratitude. Be thankful. The old song says, count your blessings. Someone once said, there is a secret to happiness and it is gratitude. All happy people are grateful and unhappy people can't, ungrateful people cannot be happy. We tend to think that it is being unhappy that leads people to complain, but it is truer to say that it is complaining that leads to people becoming unhappy. Become grateful and you will become a much happier person. Gratitude beats complaining every time. A story is told about a, a foursome of golfers who weren't getting any younger. They'd go out year after year. They'd be tight friends, uh, but they'd go out year after year. And, and, and they went out uh, uh, 
this this one day, and 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 the the first guy, I, I don't know, they they were just noticing that things were getting a little harder as they got older, and and so the the, the first guy says, well, these hills are getting steeper as the years go by, and the, the the second one agreed with him and said, oh yeah, and and these fairways are just getting longer as he stopped to catch his breath, and and the third one says, oh somehow these sand traps are are bigger and deeper, they seem seem worse than they ever were before, and the uh, the the fourth guy the the, the oldest and perhaps the wisest of the foursome popped up, piped up and said, oh, oh, friends, just be thankful that we're still on this side of the grass. <laughs> it is a rare person, Reverend Bob Russell once said, it is a rare person who, when his cup frequently runs over, can give thanks to God instead of complaining about the limited size of his mug. Sometimes we, instead of looking at all the blessings of God, we complain about the things that we don't have. We need to change our focus. A very practical thing. If we're going to stop complaining, obviously we're going to submit ourselves to God, but very practical thing to get into the, the, the habit of being grateful instead of complaining. Be thankful. Quit complaining. When I'm complaining, I'm ignoring what God can do. And when you're ignoring what God can do, that's the worst. <laughs> 